good afternoon, good evening, good morning, whatever it is, wherever you're at, whenever you're listening. This is Behind the Movement. I'm Kyle Fincham, and I have Tom Wexler on the podcast today. Uh, This is our third recorded conversation. Um, I think the last one was episode 50, so it was a while back. Um, Really excited about this. I'm so thrilled to share it with you. Uh, I'll get to it right after I I make a few announcements. The first is um, there's still a continued effort to uh, raise money for my very good friend, Matthew Stillman, um, who I mentioned on the last podcast. Um, he's uh, an integral part of, of Infinite Play, what I present here in New York and all around the world. He's a reason Infinite Play exists. Um, he is supported in, in, in numerous ways, and um, we're making every effort to, to support him. Um, because he's having brain surgery uh, very, very soon, just over two weeks from now, uh, to have a tumor removed. Um, thankfully, it's, uh, it is benign, it's growing slow, um, but it does have to be removed. Um, and there's medical costs, there's life costs, there's recovery costs that come with it. And um, because of things like this and people spreading the word, uh, they've managed to raise uh, uh, a whole heap of money. Um, it's about halfway to the goal that they want to get to in, in just a two-week period. Um, so if you feel called to it, uh, please give a donation to Matt's GoFundMe. Um, I'll put a link to it in the bi- or in the, um, the notes here. So uh, that would mean the world. You can also support Matt by... Um, purchasing uh, some of his uh, Primal Derma, which is a, a skincare line that he uh, runs out of his home um, made out of uh, beef tallow. It's a tallow-based skincare. Um, so yeah, you can also purchase from him. He's a one-person a one show running the business, and it's going to be impacted quite a bit by his uh, limitations. Um after the surgery so uh it's another way outside of the gofundme to support him and and primal derma is also a uh, sponsor of the podcast so if you would like to purchase some primal derma he does ship worldwide and you can just go to primalderma.com slash btm as in behind the movement primalderma.com slash btm I've got some events coming up, um, lots of uh, Infinite Play-related things. Uh, if you're interested in anything about Infinite Play and, and what it is, the philosophy and ideas behind it, you can always go to letsinfiniteplay.com and read up on, on what I've chosen to spend a great deal of my time on. Um, on December 2nd, if you're in or near New York City, we're doing a day-long retreat that starts at sunrise and goes till uh, after dinner time with a, uh, a backyard fire pit. And on December 9th, I'm going to be presenting a, a facilitation seminar, and that's online. So wherever you're at, you can uh, join. Um, that's a four-hour seminar, and I'll be just presenting my approach to facilitation, how I facilitate play, 
um, which includes uh, all aspects of it, you know, um, working as an individual and partners, groups, things that look like dance, things that look like roughhousing, and all the ideas around it. Um, and I would say that uh, broadly it's about facilitation, not even just about facilitating play. So if you're interested in, in just gathering people, presenting things in any way, I, uh, I think it's an interesting spot to, uh, to get, get maybe some unique insight. Um, on March 8th through the 10th of next year, I'm doing a three-day retreat just outside New York City. Um, we've done two of them so far. They're beautiful. They're amazing. People have traveled from all over the United States. Some people even from around the world to come and participate in the last couple. So there's already uh, a number of signups taken. So uh, I wouldn't hesitate to sign up for this one. And then every week, Sundays, I do Infinite Play from 11 to 1 in Prospect Park in Brooklyn, New York. All the information is at letsinfiniteplay.com. So you can check it out there. So, as I said, this is my third conversation, recorded conversation with Tom Wexler. Um, happy to say Tom has become a really good friend. Um, I always, 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 always look forward to our chats, whether we record them for here or whether we're just, um, you know, talking philosophical things via WhatsApp or, or just kind of joking around a little bit or, or, or the rare occasion where we get to be in person and we get to dig into some things. It's always just a joy. Um, so I'm really grateful that he decided to come back and do another one here. Um, and it was a really wonderful conversation. Uh, I've shared Tom's bio in the past. Um, so I'm almost inclined to, uh, to not read it again, just because maybe people have an idea who he is, but Tom is a, a, a teacher. Tom is an artist. Um, Tom is a, a creator. Um, he has a, 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 a dance company. He travels the world teaching uh, his approach to movement called movement archery. Um, he practices dance and acrobatics and martial arts. Um, he and his partner, Roser, um, perform together. Uh, Roser, who's been on the podcast as well, uh, uh, as well Roser Tutusau. Um, yeah, he is uh, really um, practiced in Zen Buddhism and, and brings that to a lot of what he teaches and presents. Yeah, big fan. He and I met doing uh, jujitsu a number of years ago here in New York, not knowing who uh, one another was, and then we were just suddenly partnered up in the class, and uh, the conversation began there, and it's continued until today and this one that you're about to listen to. So, yeah, highly recommend going to uh, Tom's website, movementarchery.com, to stay up on everything that he has going on, um, workshops and classes and and what they have going on at their their new space called the island out in Barcelona <sighs> yeah enjoy it I think you will as much as I did this is my chat 
with Tom Wexler. Teaching is a creative act, you know, or facilitating mm -hmm. is a creative act. And then like, you know, when there's this need to make money around it, it changes potentially how the presentation of something is done, right? Uh, hold on to customers rather than students or people that you want to share things with. It's a, I think it changes the thing. Like I think about it in jujitsu where I'm like, oftentimes like the class model can be like, like this is silly, you know, mm -hmm. like some of the things that we're doing. And like, when you think about the people who are the teachers and who are the black belts, like they didn't learn jujitsu doing this class model. They did something else than what's happening here. Uh -huh. And but when it's like, well, we have to make money to do this thing, well, we have to create like a model of how to, how to keep the people here, keep them coming. And it's only one route that I think about, but like, yeah, I think that the money and creativity is tightly intertwined in terms of how it changes it. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in a, in a phase of my life that I'm really uh, cautious of, um, of uh, full uh, big statements, you know, I'm 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 becoming, I guess, a bit more. Uh, uh, I don't know. May maybe it's just older, you know, uh, but maybe it's just a also just a phase. And I think that, you know, when I was a little bit younger, I was very much aware of the influence of money and market and the negative aspects of it. So you know, when you're really into something, it's basically um, it means that you you study it well which is also connects to what we talk. So I really studied well how money can, um, let's say, manipulate creative pathway or manipulate uh, um, acts of exchange uh, of knowledge, which this is basically what you're, you're talking about. Um, you know, and in a way, money, uh, what it creates, it creates market. And I think that one of the things that uh, for me are uh, can be a disadvantage of market is that market, uh, and this is also it's a it's a, it's a little bit of a word game, which I, I think it's logical. You need to mark things, you know, uh, which means to brand something to to make a form that it's sellable. And I think that it's true in many aspects of creativity and teaching. As soon as you mark something, it loses a little bit of the um, the deep stuff you can say, or the 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 abstraction, or the spontaneity and stuff like this. And th this, I I think that it's something to consider. I don't know though nowadays if I would say that uh, necessarily when we take the idea of um, market or money that it's necessarily something that is a, a, only a disadvantage though you know we are engaging in some kind of um, not some kind uh, neo neoliberal society and we cannot really um, see ourselves from outside you know like at the end of the day for us you know I, I don't remember who I heard saying it but for us, neoliberal society is like water for fish, you know, so the fish can swim in the water and say like, ah, you know, this water, this is like, doesn't make any sense, you know, and stuff like this. But at the end of the day, they, the, the fish doesn't know anything better. And I don't think that we really know anything better, you know, um, like even when we do experimental exchanges or living in experimental ways, the, 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 the form of economy that surrounds us 
is um, rather similar always. And for that reason, I think that even if I see the disadvantages of um, the market, rather than saying, you know, this is just something that ruins the act, I need to understand, okay, how do I minimize the disadvantages, but still work with it in collaboration? Nowadays, uh, what does it mean? It depends, you know, like in teaching is a very good example. Uh, uh, of course, if if you if you just uh, follow the method, because if you don't follow the method, uh, um, you cannot be part of, of, of some kind of educational organization. Or if you do something that is very uh, common nowadays, you teach in order to make a show. You know, you want to film it for social media. You want to uh, people to see you. If those examples are like, become too high in the priority, then I think that um, you need to reconsider how are you going to work with the idea of teaching within an economy. Um, but then on the other hand, I can tell you that when I was a bit younger and I was trying to take totally the economy out of the way, it could also create some very tricky situations because we do want knowledge to be worth money, in my opinion, you know, for the lack of a better uh, currency, you know, I don't want my knowledge to be worth love or admiration or power, for example. And, you know, and this is where I'm going with this, that sometimes if you take out too much, you know, you, you too much push the idea of like, you know, the the market is, is, is bad for the creativity and for the learning and, and, you know, you can get very easily gurus, you can get very easily sects, you can get very easily abuse of power so there is a, a very i mean I, I don't have it figured out for myself but i would say that i would rather to think about the disadvantages and study them and then try to collaborate despite the disadvantages with the idea of market and and money rather to only look at it as something that is just just the weight that destructs the magic of uh, of creativity and uh, teaching so then would be would your approach because I know we've talked about this like in the past, like that having kind of playing a few different hats, like you play like the hat of like um artist, the hat of teacher, the hat of um like artistic director. Um are these ways of kind of collaborating with this thing? It's like like dancing with it in different places? First of all, yes. First of all, yes. I'm, I'm really, um, you know, I, I have a lot of faith in being able to fit into different uh, uh, professional perspectives, mm -hmm. you know, like, but genuinely, not just, again, uh, it's funny that I say it in this context, but not just as a short-term play, but like really be able to play the part on long-term. Um, so, for example, I feel that as a you know as a as a teacher that I did a lot a lot of work on my pedagogy in my pedagogy all over the world um, for many years. Uh, it got me to a certain it, it turned me into a certain uh, some kind of an authority. But then, as an artist, I can never be this type of authority. As an artist, I need to prove myself on a very different set of skills and qualities, and it's nice. You know, it's 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 a nice balance. Um, then, of course, now uh, since uh, uh, me and uh, Rose 
my partner opened our company and our studio, we're also more of directors, you know? So again, we, which also becomes a different type of, um, of, of professional, uh, professional field, um, which may be even more interesting to the professional field, uh, different skills, different obstacles, different ways, uh, different necessities to adapt. And I think that, for example, the balance between these things is very interesting. Um, and it keeps a certain, again, you know, I, I don't think it's something I can say about myself, but um, it, it keeps a certain humility, you know, because it's kind of like, you know, some uh, um, uh, some things are being exposed in the different plays or when I put on different hats, you know, as an artist, I can realize that I am not um, uh, sometimes uh, I'm not allowing myself to be vulnerable enough. But then as a director, nobody really needs me to be vulnerable. I, I need to be well planned. I need to be um, uh, responsible. Um, as a teacher, I need to be um, knowledgeable. I need to be sensitive, you know, and none of these things is really, I can say, uh, it fits all the hats that I'm wearing all the time. And having to all the time needing to change is, is something that I found is a, at least spiritually, I, I, I feel it's, it supports me. And then again, you know, for example, <laughs> financially or, or emotionally is not easy, you know, because of course, when you do one thing and one thing only, I think that, that uh, it's easier to stay there. Uh, but yeah, th this is, for example, with the topic of money, um, an economy, it's something that is very interesting to to tackle it from these different perspectives because each one has very different uh, circumstances. Mm -hmm. I do like what you were saying, though, about how like kind of each one asks different things of you. And, mm -hmm. and yeah, you said it, what, something like spiritually satisfying, like it sounds, it almost sounds nourishing to kind of get to bob between these different places when like, yeah maybe good chunks of people kind of stay in one lane for long periods of time. And it's like asking a lot of the same things over and over. But somehow mm. you're in this like space that's like, to me, not just uh, uh, creatively and artistically nourishing, but like, yeah, it's like asking different kind of human qualities of you. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, um, absolutely. And I would add, I would add if I can, that I actually, I guess we met maybe like six years ago now. That yeah. like, like I have gotten to experience you uh, really just as like a teacher and as a friend, but like, like I can see, I, like I've witnessed you change in what is really not that long of a period of time. And like, I don't need to explain the ways, but I could if I needed to, but like uh -huh. and now hearing you kind of talk about that and saying like these ways that are kind of like asking different pieces of you and yeah, it seems like there's like it can influence some sort of personal exploration by having to like wear different hats at different times or wearing different hats when you don't really when you feel like you have to because something's demanding it of you. I, I, I mean, I think that if, if nothing demands it from you, it's very well, you know, it's getting very quickly philosophical if it's a choice or something that's being demanded, mm -hmm. you know, which I think it's also um, like the only thing that I really enjoy to just uh, do consistently since I'm a kid is my physical skills. Mm 
you know, I mean, even them, I leave them from some time to time, but it's the only thing that I can see really a process from childhood to adulthood. But um, then, for example, the, the, what are these different hats? Because at the end of the day, if, we, if we're talking about teaching, you know, there is a skill there, but it's also, it's a social construct. And I think that staying in social constructs for too long um, can be um, can be very misleading, you know, because, for example, about teaching, um, the skill of teaching, in my opinion, requires a certain uh, ability to learn, to, to break down, and then to articulate in a simple manner. Uh, but then, um, you know, after you do it for a long time, and uh, maybe you, 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 I don't know if you will agree with me, but it's almost like you can teach without the skill of teaching. You know, you can kind of um, uh, 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 cheat your way into a good class. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's starting to be a tricks of standing in front of a crowd, of making people um, pay attention to things without actually giving any content, you know, which for me, it's like, it's the tricks of pedagogy without teaching anything. And I know that I can do this quite well nowadays, but I feel that, you know, doing this is, is again, it's, I go back to this word because it's the best word to describe it, is spiritually poor, you know, to be a, t- a, a figure, a teaching figure, you know? Um, by the way, as an artist, you know, things, again, I'm, I'm mostly in performance arts, which is relatively a, a small sector. So there's not there's not really successful people in performance arts. But even in performance arts, once you start to get support from institutions, um, you get a, a kind of like a, a public, uh, a public, which I mean, again, public institutions recognition. At certain point, you know, people will will support you uh, financially and, and give you places to present without really checking what's your art, you know, without checking what did you make this time. You know, I, I have some friends that have been creating, I don't know for how many years, and, you know, they're a friend of the person that chooses who will be presented in the best theater. You know, when that, that's what, basically, that's what they do, you know, it's their friend, so they don't need any more to put themselves in the grind of really trying to make the best possible creative thing that they can make. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you understand what I'm going yeah, with it's, this? It, so, it, yeah, it's, it's like, it's like um, and there's nothing wrong with safety and maybe it's not the right word, but it's like it's staying in the safety or it's staying in the familiarity or, or I keep using this word mess, but there's something about like, you know, being in the place pedagogically or, or artistically where like, you're still like, where the mess is still there. And it's mm-hmm. not always, it's not always like clean. Yes. And, and obviously like, you know, as humans, there's a reason why we, we are getting pulled, we're gravitating towards the clean and the safety. I mean, especially in our uh, current reality, which we have like, you know, in the last couple of years, how many, you know, you could ask how many more uh, mass disasters can happen to 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 us. You know, it's like it's 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 on the edge of being unbearable. And um, so I think that of course that the the, the gravitation towards safety is, is something that's totally reasonable. Like I don't think that just by saying 
you know, um, I need to keep, uh, uh, I need to keep challenging myself. It's not enough to really, you know, constantly step outside of your comfort zone. But this goes back to what you said before, like, you know, if I do want to teach as a living, I cannot only teach. If I do want to be an artist and like, you know, to live and die as an artist, I cannot only make art. You know, this I know about myself. I have to switch up for the consistency. And I think that's that's an interesting concept that actually the goal is to stay. But this is why you have to kind of like every time to switch, to look at it from a different perspective and then come back to it. Mm -hmm. This is the um, the 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 Javanese um, quote that I think I said to you once where it was like the talking about the dancer and the, the, the greatest dancer doesn't just know the moves and the techniques, but is also a gardener. Uh huh. Right. And it's just like, it's, it's not necessarily about the gardening, but it's about having your hands in life and in a lot of other places. Cause it feeds each thing that you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, uh, the, the, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, I really like the, I mean, I heard this, this quote in many different versions, you know, I heard the, uh, but I like, I actually like the phrasing that you used, uh, I think that it's also there is something about uh, this. Um, I, I don't know if it's a legacy or it's a legend of uh, Da Vinci. You know that it's. Um, I think it's a really it's a really fantastic uh, model. And by the way, also you know something that again um, something actually uh, good about uh, the the legends of of Western society is this kind of uh, the Renaissance. You know the era of the Renaissance that that. You know, supposedly um, it was about being a craftsman and then from being a craftsman, which means that you can touch different materials and do different things from there, um, your, your, your art um, kind of emerges, but you're not um, necessarily um, going with tunnel vision, you know, the, the, the dealing with different materials, different with different hats. Uh, uh, creates a certain sensitivity and from this sensitivity something special comes up or blossoms and I think for me this is this is renaissance and and even when this thing blossoms um, you still want to continue practicing you don't want to just nourish this this special thing which here this is where we circle back into the idea of the market that when you make something really good in a market when something special blossoms you kind of feel like, well, the best thing to do is to take this thing and to make it a, a, a great, great product. And here it's it's uh, it's risky, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, I just had this thought and I'm going to bring this up having not even finished the book yet, but I feel like uh -huh. I, it's like there. And our mutual friend, Matt Mulligan, recommended mm -hmm. this book to me. Um, have you read Iron John? No, no, no. By Iron by Robert, John. Yeah, by Robert Bly. He's a, mm -hmm. a writer and a poet. And yeah, I think played a big role in kind of like, you know, the movement for like men's groups and kind of integrated men. Um, but does this like, that talks a little bit about like the wild man, mm -hmm. um, which is kind of like that, that thing that we kind of have this tendency to keep hidden away. And for whatever reason, hearing you talk about um, 
yeah, artistry and, and creativity. It's like, it's a piece that sometimes I think is like untapped and maybe also speaking to markets, it's a place that, a thing that keeps kind of like hidden away. Um, mm-hmm. But this kind of like that, that like wild spirit, that thing, that mm. thing that is like, and some people would call it a lot of different things. It's like the child spirit or it's the, um, you know, maybe the artist way would refer to it as like the, the inner artist or something. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, hearing you talk about it and like the, the, if we're talking about kind of the ecology around artistry and creativity and, you know, I don't mean when I, I say wild man and because the book is actually a book written for men, but I think it's like a wild spirit that could be kind of applied to all human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's some sort of like suppressed kind of thing that like, doesn't care about the defined things that doesn't care about the like what's proper um and and that needing its place in the world of creativity and i don't know if that integrates well with you know the supposed to's and the markets and things Hmm. well if i if i am allowed to to bounce back for example a question yeah of course where where does this idea meet you Kyle, in sense of, for example, of teaching, because it's very different to be wild than to be a wild teacher, which is, you know, there is there is a, there is a danger in this concept, to, you know, when I think about it. Ah, oh, I think it's like something as like a teacher that, for me, I feel, and I would, and I would go so. F- I would pause and say that I don't consider what I do teaching. I do think that like I facilitate and I can narrow in and say that facilitation is more like to me, the creating of like containers. Mm-hmm. Um, but having like a relationship with that, like wild side um, creates like a, um, a richer capacity for container building. I think um, what I feel what amount of mess I'm, I'm, I'm capable of being with because I, I go to that place or at least make the effort to go there from time to time. So I think the, it makes the lens a little bit bigger for like what, what can be in, in the containers that I try to hold. I don't know if that answers the question well, but there's something about the relationship that allows me to like hold something different because I, I see different uh, limitations or boundaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I think that, um, you know, me, I'm, I very much feel connected to my own wildness. And I think I'm privileged to be connected to it because, again, in a, um, I have the space, I have the type of activity, and I have uh, collaborators who can have a dialogue, a very wild dialogue with me, you know, um, which I think it's something very unique. Um, and I know that a lot of people, you know, the, the, for sure in a modern society, people miss uh, wildness in their lives. Um, and the places that usually wildness is found, like, you know, in its authentic form, is places that are more uh, problematic. You know, it's like uh, I live in a neighborhood here in Barcelona that uh, there's a lot of immigrants and a lot of gypsies, for example. You know, and the street life is very vibrant and... And also, you know, there are some areas that, uh, you know, it's it's too vibrant. Uh, you know, like 
the, 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 the you know it's one thing to have a safe container with a bunch of uh, educated people uh, that again that they came to get a product that they do rough housing but you know rough housing in the street when one of the people uh, is a junkie it's a bit less uh, you know not again it's not my street exactly but like you know around the corner mm-hmm. uh, and you know when you feel the wildness like like the um, so again, maybe maybe it's just where my mind goes with it, but I think that there's also a certain relationship. You know, um, human qualities. Um, it's a little bit like this thing with muscles. You know that they say that if you if you don't develop the antagonist at a certain point, your range of motion or your ability to resist will 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 stop. Like you know, this is this is why you need to do. I don't know. Again, I'm simplifying, but pull ups and push ups. You know. Mm-hmm. At a certain point, again, and, and it's a total simplification, but like your push-ups will be hindered by your pull-ups if you're not, you know, kind of balancing between the two. And I think that wildness is something like this. And, you know, we had the conversations in the past um, about, uh, for example, in, in facilitating, in holding space, um, um, which I think also for me translate also, uh, of course, also to teaching, but also to curating. I'm, I'm engaging with curators a lot as an artist, with directing that um, when it gets too wild, it can get also abusive, you know, mm-hmm. because wildness lives the lives the most, um, I don't know to say, but it's, it's almost like... Uh, um, the ones that uh, cannot keep up the pace, they suffer, you know, and uh, it's, it's also wildness also can create a hierarchy. So uh, again, I think as itself, you know, in a kind of like in a, in a look at society um, it's a missing thing, but I think that to nourish it, uh, there is a very good question again. I mean, that, comes up to my mind but what can uh, balance it and allows you to have it in your life you know like just to be wild again it's it's one thing but then another thing is like to be wild in a sense that will not be destructive for yourself or for other people well i think that that's like the 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 delicate thing and i think like you know i'm not a scholar on this story or this book but there's a little bit of this and in a conversation, like reading it with somebody, the idea that like, hey, it's something that needs to be really navigated delicately because like that kind of relationship to our like wild or wildness or wild side or wild God or whatever it is, is historically something that would have been like kind of existed in cultures and kind of moved through generationally. And then you have like this gap in cultures where it's like totally suppressed um, mm. while still being, ex- it still exists. And then like, it's, 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 um, approached, um, in a pretty, it can be approached in a non-delicate way when it has, uh-huh. when it, when it deserves to be like kind of courted when it hasn't, yeah. it hasn't been kind of navigated through generations. It's like been hidden for a while. Yeah. And I don't have a good answer to that. I just know that like, it's it's definitely a thing and i and i guess i it's also something i bring up because i know it's something that uh exists in like both of us in some interesting ways Mm. that i think we've both seen and i think exists in both of the spaces that we create in different ways 
and um i see it in in some of the things that you do and you present and like um and and imagine that it must con conflict a little bit with like the market part not that we need to go back to that but like it's it's present yeah i mean if uh, it takes me your your uh, your phrasing also with the delicacy takes me back to when when i uh, lived in japan um in the kind of like in the in the dancing in japan I, uh, you know, I, I gained, uh, I think, uh, relative uh, success, you know, especially as a foreigner, and because my my Japanese was uh, the level of a kid, you know. So, considering my my Japanese speaking uh, and understanding level, I was working, which is, I think, for me, it was success. And uh, what they told me, uh, colleagues, uh, uh, that one of the reasons is that the, there was something about how I moved that the, the Japanese really liked aesthetically, that I'm such a uh, uh, big man and, you know, very muscular. Uh, I'm not that big uh, in European standards, but, uh, you know, in Japan, I guess uh, it, it's a little bit of different standards. So I'm such a big man and I do all these really big things and they were saying it's almost too big. But then when you land, it's so quiet and uh, and gentle, you know, that, uh, which is something that I really appreciated. I mean, I didn't even think about my movement in these terms and I took it and I developed it. And a lot of my, uh, my, uh, this kind of, um, this space of dancing the acrobatics is something that this feedback that I got in Japan really inspired me, you know? And and I think that for them there was a kind of a mis misfitting between okay there comes this guy and he's is too muscular like you know for a dancer dancers uh, bodies are usually more uh, more uh, thin and more lineish and he's also uh, he's hairy you know in <laughs> Japan yeah he's like he looks like a savage you know and and also he does this big thing it's too big it's not dance it's like it's flips and rolls and stuff but the the musicality of it is so uh, you know it's so delicate. Mm -hmm. um and i really like you know again it's it's after i got this feedback i for many years i was like okay this should be my something that i'm i shouldn't lose it you know i was afraid to lose it <laughs> you know so i worked on it really hard um but it's true that if you talk about for example on a on a market level you know almost like despite of how much i worked on this quality that was really fulfilling because it's like it, it was so um it, it was so interesting for me because I didn't even I didn't exactly know it's like it's something I already do how do I keep it how do I develop it what kind of sets and exercise I need to do what type of improvisations you know what's what's the uh, what's the fundamentals of it what's the the um you know a, lo a lot of questions that they they turn into some kind of a technique some kind of a language but then until this day, you know, it's like uh, uh, people would only see the moves, you know, or uh, in art, people would, you know, like would see the video and say like, yeah, but like, what's a political statement? You know, it's like, and this necessity to extract something that actually, and then, you know, we experienced it together. Like uh, uh, when I do it in the space with a person, they understand it's not about the political statement. It's not about the tricks. You know, there's something else here. There's a much more deeper game of finding this big and wild and uh, delicate. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's much more rich actually than the taking a thing out of it. 
And, you know, going back again, this, for example, is something that when you need to extract it into a, to a specific concept, into three words, into a simplified uh, a line, or, or into a product, it can get lost on the way. You know, it's like looking at the wrong thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's more, it's like, I mean, man, it's like, I feel like there's so, it's so funny because I feel like you and I like mm-hmm. to really like dig in and bullshit and like call it, maybe even some people would say like intellectualize, but I do feel like there's like an over-intellectualizing and, and there are repercussions to that because like what we end up doing is trying to like, grab onto water Uh sometimes and there's like because what you're describing is like is like part of like the great mystery right of like being Mm. being a human you know and like when i i i often say like in when i'm presenting now that like i can distill it down to words like listening like listening is like is the magic and like Uh there's no there's no protocol for for deep listening right? mm. um but it is the thing that like when you're in the room and you're watching it happen it's like oh, like mm. it's like it you're saying it's like the delicateness it's the wildness it's the like it's all the kind of contrast and tension it's like a relationship to a space it's a relationship to another person or a group and it's a relationship to their own body like all in one moment like that's like all of that deep listening yeah and to try to like be like okay but like what does it mean and it's like oh it's like it might actually mean nothing but mean everything because it's like it is the full expression of what it means to like be here in a moment yeah 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 and i do think that there is um i mean i think that there are um even though it's ungraspable there's better and less better ways to try to grasp it. And I don't think that I have the better ways, but I try to all the time improves my way of grasping. And, you know, again, the, 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 this kind of falling into, like, I totally agree with you. Uh, But it's interesting also how this thing loses all of its power if it falls into a cliche. Mm-hmm. You know, because like, for example, now I, I worked with a lot of uh, a lot of people like, you know, and a lot of, uh, for example, young teachers that 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 uh, that study with me. And then like, you know, when you hear, for example, something that you said, somebody kind of saying it and it's not like, you know, I'm, I'm super complimented. You know, it's like, who the fuck am I that uh, somebody repeats what I say? But the, con- the the process of what you say of contextualizing a movement, an idea, a sentence, wisdom into space, into time, into interaction, into intention. Um, this is something that, you know, if you skip all of this and you just, you know, uh, uh, you just uh, imitate, uh, you are in cliches. And for sure, the um, the modern, uh, um, the modern accessibility of internet of images of ideas it's almost like everything around you is is shouting at you uh imitate this imitate that compared to this compared to that uh 
while I think that this is not a good way to grasp the ungraspable, you know, imitating is is an is an is an inferior way. If if you know what I mean, it has it has its place, but there's so many things on top of it that needs to come as well. Uh, so I think, for example, if we talk about like you know, again, if if I uh, also to connect it just to, to the thing you said before, connected to the wildness, you know, wildness has to be asked with a certain, uh, you know, there has to be individuation. You know, what is wildness for you? What is wildness for me? You know, um, I don't think that that for all people wildness would be roughhousing. I don't think for all people wild um, wildness will be rolling around, climbing on trees. Um, 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 I don't think for all people wildness would mean things that are sexual. All of these things are possibilities. And it's very different that I will say, this is the thing for you. Then um, you will find for yourself that this is my wildness. And then when you find this wildness, this is, I think, already, you know, for example, using this as a tool to grasp the ungraspable, it becomes an interesting tool. Um, but once again, you know, we need to start from somewhere because we're behaving uh, uh, in the society that we behave in with the, uh, with the circumstances that we have, financial and so and so. Uh, but the fact that we have to start from there uh, doesn't mean that we cannot go to much more creative places based on this. I don't know mm -hmm. if it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense because I mean, you have to like still kind of, and this is what I was saying about kind of like people could be like, oh, there's this like, you know, wild spirit. Like this is like, we should just like go straight there, but reminding ourselves that like culturally, like it's not been fed and nourished and kind of respected properly. So like for us to just jump into the deep end of something may not be the way that mm, we, yes. we, we welcome that thing when, you know, maybe other cultures at other times in history would have been like, had this quote like regular and healthy relationship where it was integrated or something and like elders shared about it however you know um mm -hmm. and reminding ourselves like oh well we're coming from cultures that look this way and this is the language around things and and this is what's been repressed and these are the potential problematic areas and like you know acknowledging that before aiming in a direction mm -hmm. um, but you 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 mentioned kind of like the yeah like starting points and like foundations so i'm curious like what what you're at now in terms of like those places like where when you when you yeah when you enter a space now like what is it like where where you're like this is the beginning this is where we need to start and I I really think that it's a uh, that it's a beautiful question. What are the foundations, or what are my foundations? And I will try to answer, even though I think that, like you know, it's it's by itself, it's already a great uh, a, a great piece of uh, movement to ask what is what are foundations? What is my foundation? Um, Within what I, I consider my uh, uh, at least uh, the professional perspective that I that, that again that, that you know I I, uh, I take a very great uh, responsibility in in being a professional or something, and within this uh, I think I have certain foundations. So, um, for example, 
um, improvisation, which is something that it's a line that connects from my uh, uh, martial arts uh, and capoeira uh, childhood with uh, music and arts that I learned and eventually that led me to 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 be a, a stage artist and a, and a, and a choreographer. Um, again, we spoke about it already, but I realized uh, even though I never had any intention to be an acrobat, um, it, it's like it's the way I move. You know, acrobatics is something that is 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 really you know is from childhood. Is something that I just do. You know, I just do and I I meditate through it. Um. So I think, uh, and which again, which leads to another very very big foundation for me, which is meditation. Um. So I think that that improvisation, acrobatic, meditation, and um, partnering, which is communication. Which again, I'm not. Uh, um, I think it's very pretentious to to say that I'm teaching communication, but uh, being a, being a professional that works with his uh, also life partner, uh, we are um, uh, we are working with partnering both his tool to express things on stage, to teach it to to people, to teach it to people as a tool for uh, physiotherapy and for rehabilitation. So. Basically, improvisation, meditation, acrobatics, and partnering would be uh, my foundations, you know, and where and where both I develop and I found more sophisticated and 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 advanced and and you know trying to be novel uh, things, uh, but also where I I keep on coming back to and I keep on uh, learning their things about myself and like it almost like it goes more and more back. Uh, these topics like you know i i slowly slowly i'm getting older with them and i see more and more how how it's some it's things that really started um for me as a child the the love i have for them and uh, so yeah i think these four things would be my my foundations and what and those being your personal foundations have they led you to like any ideas about what you deem kind of like general movement foundations or movement or foundations for, I don't know, being a fucking human. Um, I think, yeah, because, you know, the, um, again, it's because maybe because, because um, again, I, I feel that between us, there is this conversation that's been going on for years. So, it's also it allows me to see different layers of it but i think you know i think there is universal truth okay and i think the universal truth is something that is uh we cannot touch it we cannot see it um we we cannot even uh, call it by a name but uh moments of 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 uh, of uh, that you're really connected with, with yourself and everything around you you can feel that there's something further and then the only thing that you have is 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 uh, 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 kind of like a you can say the joke lousy human interpretation, mm-hmm. you know. And these four foundations for me are my lousy human interpretations, you know. But I think that within them they contain things that are more truth, you know. So it would come to me somebody and tell me uh, this is uh, I don't know, you know, in the language of today. But uh, my foundation is, for example, uh, I don't know. Uh, fighting you know and would tell me like you know partnering is 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 
People, uh, since the beginning of time, they were fighting, blah, 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 blah. I think that actually we're talking about the same thing. Mm-hmm. Me and the me, me and the fighting person, you know, like uh, um, we just we can only extract it to our interpretation. So if you think about the four points that I propose, actually, you know, meditation, I think, you know, physical reflection, you know, again, do it sitting, you know, uh, um, yoga style, Zen style, standing style, you know, uh, whatever, uh, you know, but. There is something there that is very fundamental. People keep on this rediscovering uh, themselves in when, when they meditate. Doesn't matter which age. Yeah. No, so I think that, for example, this is something that is very universal. Um, I think that, for example, you know, um, acrobatics for me is something that is very close to to training. You know, and I think training is also a very universal thing. Uh, so, you know, you would take somebody and what they train is to uh, to, to play if they have a good uh, hand motorics to, to play with the stick, to do some craft uh, for another person. It will turn into sports uh, for another person. And, you know, there's a lot of people uh, I have friends that are business people and that, that what they do is that they run uh, four times a week, you know, or something like that. But, you know, me, I drill certain things of acrobatics since I'm a, a kid for something being two, four times a week, because it's the training that is, you know, it's like kind of, it's a progress that makes me feel myself, you know, and I think this is training. Hmm. It can be also bodybuilding. It can be also CrossFit. It can be also basketball. Right, right, right. That, like that layer is transferable to like. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And the same, so. Same with partnering and, and, and the same with improvisation, which for me, improvisation is more, it's like, you know, it's more that uh, the artistic side, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, we can deconstruct it and then to find, like you said, the transferable layer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do have like, you know, I can defend it. I can say that the four fundamentals that are proposing, they have something uh, that at least, and again, super pretentious, fully aware, but I would still go for it. They have something that can touch a certain universal truth about what it is to be human. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I think that, that that's... I th- I, so I, I told you I've been doing the facilitation seminar for Infinite Play, and I think I sent you the, the PDF when I was putting it together. Mm-hmm. And I had wrote there this whole section about the foundation to me being sensitivity. Mm-hmm. And like, if I were to kind of take it to like the very, very, very base, you know, like mm. our capacity to listen. And as you were saying that, I caught myself like kind of drawing like the parallels or the connections to like that, that, that idea of sensitivity or like what I wrote in there that I call like full body listening. And uh-huh. And it's a thing that is like, like I was saying for play, but really play is, is relating. Play is communication. Play mm. is interaction. Um, it's all relational. And that it's the thing that is like, that is the tool for that and is the thing that is nourished by doing it. Like it's this funny, like two-way thing. But as you were describing those, those layers, I think I could also draw it into that that sensitivity thing right what even with like meditation this kind of like internal sensitivity like the partnering being this like relational sensitivity um 
yeah, I don't know if it's something you you've thought about at all, but I feel like it fits in there. For sure. I mean, uh, as I said before, you know, I'm limited by my interpretation to a certain level. You yeah. Know? Um, but it sounds to me it resonates a lot. I'm quite curious, though. Um, you said full body listening. That yeah. was the what, what? What? What do you? What do you mean by that? I mean, it was just another. It's just another way of saying like um, sensitivity, like creating mm -hmm. like another call it like metaphor for it. Yeah, and it's like this whole this capacity to kind of like communicate with our whole bodies and have a conversation with our whole bodies. Yeah, you know, because one of the things that I do, um, I don't do it that uh, well, but I do it uh, also since I w was a child. Is, is is drumming to this level or another? You know, percussion drum, and. Um, uh, I'm uh, now I'm working recently with uh, some guy here in Barcelona. He's a he's a drummer. His name is uh, Diogo Santos, a Portuguese uh, a drummer that lives here, um, and he's really big on having a very uh, visual experience when he's uh, drumming. Like you know, so for example, one of the pro his problems with me is that I'm 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 quite rhythmical. But he all the time he says that I cannot see the structure of the rhythm and that I have to imagine it more visually. Like, you know, and then again, you know, we, we play with different ideas. Like, you know, sometimes it's boxes, sometimes it's color, sometimes it's, it's uh, whatever. Um, and again, this idea is actually is a very, you know, it's a very, uh, uh, it's a very classical idea. This is, this is uh, notes. Musical notes is basically a visual representation of music. Um, but for example, like, you know, because you said uh, a full body listening. And one of the things that when me and Rosé are working um, and when we feel that the connection with the floor in a series of steps or with, with uh, uh, in a choreography or, or with uh, just some kind of a, whatever, any type of movement practice, one of the cues that we, we can give, but listen more to your feet. Hmm. You know, and I think that, um, you know, for example, with listening, um, like the, the listening from the ears, you know, there's, there, there's people that they have an amazing, um, amazing listening, amazing musical ear, and they're terrible um, at orienting themselves in space, you know. But a skill that does translate uh, in, in, into many, many, many physical aspects, I think, is the ability to create um, kines ki kinetic experience and multisensorial experience. Mm -hmm. You know, so um, that if you are working... Um, strength training you're not only in the in the haptic experience of holding the weight but there is also sound there is also color you know there's also smell you know being able that whatever uh, um kinetic challenge you're facing you're bringing all of the senses into it mm -hmm. you know so um and i think for example full body listening is a nice cue for this mm -hmm. and it's it's i think it's something that um this is, for example, something that I'm I'm really really trying to 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 think about for for a very long time. How it's how it can be developed, you know, 
because it's very easy to take somebody and do like, you know, a one-on-one session and, you know, I don't know, we're working on handstands and I tell them like, you know, try to smell. But then as soon as I, as soon as we both leave, we both forget about it. But, you know, but how do you develop the situation that when you go into any kinetic experience, you bring all of the senses into it? I think it's a really, really interesting challenge. I don't know what, what is your opinion about it and uh, I, if you have I'm any experience gonna... with it. I'm just going to describe kind of like what I've been exploring recently when I facilitate, <laughs> because I think that somewhere in there is in aimed in that direction. But I always, I have to preface it by saying that I really do believe that play really at its rawest form is done just for the sake of, it's not aimed at trying to develop anything. It's not aimed at trying to optimize anything. It's aimed at just, it's just because. But along the way, it certainly develops things because if it didn't or if it didn't matter, like evolution would have gotten rid of it. Um, it's just in us. Um, but I think that these types of things are nourished through doing it. And I'm saying all that to get to like how I'm orienting towards the things that I try to present now. I'm super curious about you know when people do play and maybe when you did infinite play originally it was like i really had more like isolated containers like here's something that looks more like something that comes from dance and here's something that looks a little more that comes from rough housing and this is this thing that looks like playful in the games like although they could change they had certain kind of boundaries on them mm-hmm. and i'm really fascinated with how do we get to the place where it looks like the play that dogs do in the park that kind of play where it sometimes looks and feels like dance and sometimes it looks and feels like roughhousing and sometimes looks and feels like nonsense, but it's all of the things kind of weaving in between and moving from one to the other simultaneously and not being separated and isolated. And I say that that's an interesting place kind of relating your, your, your question because it takes a certain degree of sensitivity that is already there. It doesn't need to be necessarily learned. It just needs to like have time to be alive, to begin to have conversations with another person or a group or a moment where you're basically creating the games on your own. They're, they're unfolding and you're, you're developing and, and, and conversating with that moment with, with the whole kind of physical realm at your disposal um with what you're capable of with what the space is offering what the other person is offering and being invested in the in the relationship and at that moment like without even knowing it like all of your senses are kind of like like alive and present it sounds to me like you're speaking about the urgency you know which I think that that uh, I know it's a bit uh, it's tricky, you know, because mm-hmm. like I was talking about play, but mm-hmm. um, I think that that when things are urgent, all of a sudden, all of the senses kick in, you know. Right. Um, it's like uh, you know, if you need to to break into someone's house, or you know, first romantic encounters, you know, stuff like this, it's really urgent and. This is why, for example, a lot of um, movement modalities, they confuse um, 
discipline with quality as if you will make people stress they would have the urgency you know mm-hmm. all of us remember the pe or gymnastics or swimming coach when we were kids shouting at us as if it will make us do the thing better mm-hmm. you know but how, how do you create urgency without this we had uh, uh when we were in the states um uh, in our last workshop tour we went to seattle we're hosted by tanner walker He's a great guy. And one of his uh, clients has Parkinson's. His name is uh, Christopher Allen. And he's a, he's a hand surgeon. I think he's, uh, I don't remember. I don't want to say the, the wrong age, but late 50s, probably. Uh, maybe early 60s. And he, he had a, a very, uh, he had Parkinson's disease for 15 years. And he's been working with uh, Tanner. And Tanner has been doing incredible work with him. And what, one of the things that Tanner told me, he told me, you know, the, the, the guy is super intelligent, he's super dedicated, but I need to remind him that his life depends on the urgency of his movements. So I keep on telling him, when we do a ball game, you need to imagine that the lion is going to eat you because for him, if what you lose in Parkinson is the ability, it's actually, it's almost, you can say the ability to concentrate on your body and the space. You know, and so he he says, you can see that when this uh, a wind of urgency flows through him, he can do the task amazingly. Mm. But it's almost like he doesn't remember the urgency. And then in the workshop, you know, we were doing, for example, some kind of uh, uh, standing meditation. And in the standing meditation, you know, every once in a while, he would just start to have a, a, a kind of like a Parkinson's, uh, Parkinson's attack. I don't even know how to call it. That like we're standing with the palms in front of our chest. And all of a sudden he starts to lose balance and to walk backwards and stuff. But in the dynamic things, when we're doing partnering, every time the guy would be lifted, his body would look like a gazelle. You know, no shaking, no jittering, precision, you know. He would like open to the space, like, wow. And the whole body would arrange itself. You know, you would never guess that 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 he has Parkinson's. You know, you would be like seeing this guy. Uh, you know, I, I I was at the beginning, I was going to do the exercises with him because I was cautious. And he was doing it so well. You know, every time <laughs> I lifted him, it was like, like, like a trained dancer, you know, and like somebody at his age to be lifted, you know, and it, it's it's incredible. And when we were doing jams of improvisation, you know, he would kind of like, you know, lose himself and stuff. But then all of a sudden you would see he has an idea to do a roll. The whole body arranges itself. The step would be, you know, like a samurai. He goes into a roll softly. It was incredible. And it shows that even to something that is so supposedly, you know, it's like it's it's further than conscious uh, Parkinson's, you know, just by creating a situation and urgency in that sense, I, I, I think it also connects to deep interest. Mm-hmm. That he's deeply, deeply interested in the moment. Mm-hmm. The whole body would arrange itself. So, I don't know. I mean, it, yeah, it just I, came I, to me this. Uh, yeah, I can't. I'm trying to decide if I like the word urgency, but that's whatever. That's like a who cares? It's just a word. But um, what we're talking about is like presence, like being present, mm-hmm. right? But and but to use your to use your urgency, like all of it is a conversation. I think that that's what I try to present is like I, I use that as like the metaphors. Like everything that we're trying to do is have a conversation, and what makes a great conversation? Like how mm-hmm. do we engage with something? 
and it be a conversation. So like for me to have a great conversation with you and for you to have a great conversation with me, we want the other person to like kind of succeed, right? So that means to the, for, for me to want you to succeed and for you to want me to succeed or engage or learn or something, we both have to be super present, right? But it also means that a conversation has a sense of urgency. True. The, the thing with presence, you know, I, I, I mean, I totally agree. The only thing is that we already abused it, this yes. concept. Because, you know, nowadays, you know, everybody, you know, it's, you cannot tell to somebody you're not present. No, I am. You know, and, and what? You know, it's like, you don't have enough presence. What do you mean? I don't have enough, you know. But this is why I use urgency, because I feel that it gives me a certain here, um, it's a play, but it, it's there or it's not there. And it's like, it's fine to say that it's not there. You know, presence is like, yeah. it's it's ambiguous, you know, it's a... It also has like a, it has some kind of like new age kind of woo-woo-ness to it, which I'm not opposed to, but it, like it has certain things, but like, um, but that's why, that's why I use full body listening. Like it's, mm, it's really yeah. the same yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. It's the same. I'm just saying like, oh, to full body listen is to be urgent. It's to be present yeah. um, and, and facilitating that, but then also like creating the opportunities for different conversations, you know? So like. Well, it's importance, you know, and this is also something that, you know, if I, uh, even if I try to defend the, the urgency, you know, this is, we talked about it, like, you know, the whole point of uh, one of the things that when I present something that's connected to play, mm -hmm. either in, in, uh, in, uh, in workshops or, or even in creative processes that we do, and that people like, as soon as they hear play, they think about loose body, smiley face, and very, very uh, innocent humor, which innocent humor is not funny as a start. Okay. You know, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't think that innocent, you know, and loose body again, you know, it's good when it's not dogmatic and, but, but you get what I mean, you know, that like when it, it, it's like the, 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 it's the cliche of play. And, but if you think about kids, you know, that are really, really getting into, you know, I, I like to use this example. I remember uh, my cousin, when he decides that the stick is a wand and, you know, don't fuck with me now that the stick is a sword. Mm -hmm. It's a wand and it has to be a wand. If it's not a wand, you know, we, we, we need this contract is important that the stick is a wand, you know, it yeah. cannot be maybe a wand, maybe a sword, maybe just a stick, uh, maybe a shirt, you know, it has to be this thing, mm -hmm. you know, which again, leads us also to, 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 you know, it's, it's the same in, in theater. It's the same in, you have this background in stand up, you know, mm -hmm. that the, um, the importance of the play you know, has a certain inherited connection yeah, to full body listening. Um, and I think that tapping into it, it needs to be urgent. You know, it can be, it can be slow and urgent. Well, urge, urgent, urgency is also like tension mm, and like, tension. And, and like, and like, yes. a, and like a beautiful quality of tension is, and maybe it's the quality, I don't know, but it's contrast. Like we have to, uh -huh. You know, like we have to create, like, like if you and I sit here and just like, uh, I don't know, like agree with each other or have the exact same, it's like, it, it's, it's boring, you know, but like having yep. the proper, like, 
that the, the tension is where that's balanced between like familiarity and surprise. Like, you know, you and I have talked enough that like we know some things that the other person might say are kind of interesting, but then like having enough like new novel that it's like, okay, well, how do we, how do we dance with that? Right. And the tension and, and is we the thing. Move now, and we move now in a lot, a lot of uh, uh, social contrast that they don't have tension. They have either authority or submissiveness, you know, mm-hmm. which is like both on one hand, um, you know, I think that the, 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 the yeah, you know, authoritarian uh, teaching, uh, um, you know, uh, super um, uh, kind of like, um, you know, uh, having the best product in the market, which makes you this undeniable figure and so and so, um, or things being over politically correct, which is basically means that, you know, the the ability to to look into the messy things is being minimized, you know, which is also something that, you know, it's like, it's, it's, it's changed. Uh, it's changing throughout the years, you know, things that you cannot say, uh, things that if you say there's big uh, uh, social circumstances, um, manners that lead to more manners instead of leading to uh, a personal, in, uh, personal interpretation and so on and so on and so on and so on. So I think on both edges, it's things that lack tension. And uh, in both of them, you know, what you are left with is you're just submitted, you know, like the, the protocol, the, the, the protocol of, a, of an authority, you know, is the same like a, the protocol of being, uh, doing a physical experience that is totally, totally politically correct. You know, it's like, you're just there and it's like, okay, you know, I just respond to this. I just respond to this person. I just respond to these rules. And tension is, look, when this guy, uh, Chris, when he was in the workshop with the Parkinson's, you know, I was in, in, in a lot of tension the whole time. You know, I wasn't sure if what we're doing is even like, you know, it's like, you know, what if something happens to him? You know, like in his age, in his condition to do like, you know, improvisation with like people who are 25 and throwing, you know, and like partnering and, you know, th- there was so much tension. But it was uh, um, it was an extremely heartfelt experience, you know. And of course, there was a lot of technique and there's a lot of safety measures. It wasn't totally like you know, uh, my experience. Also, his experience. Also, Tanner was there. They were supporting. Like I said there was a lot of people that were trying to accommodate it, mm-hmm. but w- without this ability to be in this uh, not safe space, you know, we would not have this um, full body listening would not have this urgency and you know i mean i'm I'm, for, I'm like coming up with something as you're saying all this like it's like um every every relational moment is a creative act mm-hmm. every every moment where you're relating to something whether it's short term like us having a conversation or like a just a an eye gaze where something happens like that's a there's a moment of creativity that emerges in there even mm-hmm. if it's very subtle. Um, and then there's these bigger relationships, like in, in partnership with somebody, like that's a large creative act that's unfolding. Um, and then when you're in a class or you're teaching and it's you in a group, it's like there's a creative act happening within the group. There's a creative act happening between you and the group. There's an internal creative act happening. And the tension is what like inspires or facilitates the creativity. Mm-hmm. And and creativity is like 
the source of immense like um satisfaction and joy like because we're creative beings right and the tension that leads the creativity is like the the source of like massive learning whether in, in, in the type of learning that we probably can't even fully articulate in our like conscious experience but it's just coming to me that tension is really like the like the sweet spot for like when we are like when we do something when we when we develop something create something produce something like like something new it's to ask something new of us yeah you know i i think in the um in in big um the best type of concepts for movement the best mm -hmm. type of concepts for change is things that they they have strong polarities and you can find the middle ground you know and it's very it's very buddhist by the way you know the, this idea um it, well, you, you, do, know, you, do, you, you do a very simple example of this in your class. And you, I think you've done it in every uh, workshop I've taken with you. Uh -huh. And I've like, I've stolen it and like twisted it a little bit. But you're, even you're, you're, you do the one of like high and low, like one person goes up and the other person goes down. Uh -huh. And that's like a creation of this thing in a very simple movement context. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's also, you know, I think that the idea of um, if you're doing also a, a competition mm -hmm. and you're not trying to be the first, but you certainly also not trying to be the last, it also gives this quality. Um, then also, for example, it reminds me in the uh, as an artist, you know, because I work with movement and, and uh, I mean, I would say that what we create is more of a movement performance, it's movement arts performance, but you know, it's in between circus and dance and physical theater, but we're, we're a lot working within the context of contemporary dance. And there is this word that they use a lot, uh, professionals of contemporary dance, uh, coherence. Yeah. You know, because, and they say, because dance is like a personal expression, um, when you make a good piece, you need to find the coherence of it, which means the line that connects the things. Because in theater, you have text. So if you do Shakespeare, you cannot all of a sudden say something from a different era. Or if you're in a movie and, you know, uh, you, you, you're, uh, um, you're in a gangster movie, you know, you, you need to be dressed in a certain way to walk and talk in a certain way. And dance is much more free. So for dance, the coherence is really important. But my personal opinion um, on, uh, on contemporary dance, especially in Europe, the coherence already killed it. Because, you know, what happened is that they understood the dance needs coherence and then they intellectualized it. So everything needs to be connected, you know, everything needs to be connected and everything needs to be connected to a concept, you know. So the whole show must be about this idea, this specific idea, you know. But when you do this, you kill the whole thing, you know. If it's totally random, it's a party, of course, yeah. you know. This is why coherence is Good. Okay. The professionals, they don't go to party. My shows are not rave. You know, I can extract something out of it, a creative line. But if, you know, I think that extracting a line become the whole thing, it becomes boring. Nobody wants to watch it, you know, like that. So I think that this tension, you know, my dream performance is that I do whatever I want, but it will be not coherent. So how can incoherence, I can make something that communicates better an idea, a story, a fantasy. But again, if my objective is to make something coherent, 
in my opinion, I'm a failed artist. And I think, by the way, uh, uh, a lot of uh, uh, modern uh, uh, artistic fields are, are dying because of this. People don't want to see it, you know, because mm-hmm. it's like, again, think about a lot of museums also. You go and it's all, it looks so organized. Like, you know, it's boring as hell. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, why would you want to go to an experience that you know in advance what you're going to see? And then as soon as you begin it, it's very clear for you how it's going to end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that this, again, I'm just giving an example from a different universe on this kind of like, you know, you have to understand that you have on one side, you have chaos, you have coherence mm-hmm. and you need to find where, how they can, how, how they can coexist. You know, as soon as you fall into one more than the other, the thing can become either sloppy or boring you know mm-hmm. and and what's our tendencies as a society which this you know this is which, which speaks to a lot of the things that we talked about why what are where are we gravitating towards you know we're never gravitating towards the middle which i think this is why buddhism is is interesting in its proposition of the middle road you know mm-hmm. uh, wildness again we we spoke about wildness and delicacy you know, so it's like, how do you find your own authentic wild delicacy? You know, how you find well, your own authentic, coherent chaos, you know? And and to kind of weave it in a little further, like that listening, that sensitivity that we were talking about is kind of like, to me, like the skeleton key for like navigating that tension, that place between. Mm-hmm. Maybe when you want to live on one or the other too mm, too much, you don't nice. need yeah. you don't need that skeleton key as much. You don't have to yeah. listen. You don't have to listen in that like deep, real way to navigate something that is different or not quite what you were prepared for or whatever whatever exists on that bridge of tension. But here's the risk. Because listening is such a soft skill, mm-hmm. we might think that okay, you know, oh, urgently listen. You know, it's like you you need to, this sensitivity has to be urgent. You cannot, you know, you cannot stand and sense it. You have to, you know, it it has to be the most important thing. Mm -hmm. Well, this, I mean, I feel so bummed that like we can't chat for five hours, but, (laughs) but this is a reason why like I propose, and this is like me speculating, but I do believe that there's something there in this idea so like if i present uh, a game it's a a game that involves a partner for example i'll say don't play for yourself play Mm -hmm. for the other person place your intention on helping the other person learn playing compassionately for the other person doesn't mean kind sometimes it's kind we don't know what it is but treat it like a conversation where your intention is to help the other person whatever that means in that moment so if it was roughhousing, if it was you and me, if I wanted to help you, I might beat the shit out of you. I have no idea. Um, Most likely. <laughs> but but it also might mean that like I'm listening to where you're at today and like that I'm moving softer with you or whatever it is because I'm just, I'm listening to like where it's at and I'm playing for you rather than playing for myself to like make myself feel good or whatever. And, yeah. and that is that, um, that's that place where we have to like be invested in in something outside of my own experience. Yeah. 
Well, they, they say, for example, one of my favorite, um, like, you know, it's again, I don't know how much, I, I don't think it's a legend because I heard it from first, uh, first, uh, second person, not first person, but that Hickson Gracie, the fighter, he was never training uh, so much, um, like in his late career with like, uh, he wasn't doing like competing against competitors on the daily like he was teaching a lot and then he was like you know kind of like fighting um with students you know that sometimes younger sometimes uh you know much less uh, quick the all the time much less technical because he was the teacher and all of this and i heard from people that train with him that um how did he still could be like i don't know world champion and to beat people at very very high level because he would play games with himself to kind of like, you know, develop different aspects of him when he was working with people that are, you know, much less experienced, like not using the left hand, you know, uh, heavy feet, uh, you know, respond only to once, one to every three moves that the other person do, he would respond once, you know, and all of this stuff. And so it would put himself in a state that he would be like really, really vivid, even when uh, uh, kind of fighting with somebody that was like, you know, a piece of cake for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the, the, but again, but I think that there, there's, there's, there's a certain, uh, you know, there's something that is so proactive about sensitivity when it's, when it's done well, you know, it's like, it's so different than the, um, like I think it's a real misconception that it's something that is um, passive. You know, it's minimalist. It's very minimalist. You know, you you need to do very little, but this very little, you have to really, really be fully into it. Well, because listening is 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 an action. It is mm. relational, right? So it's very much not passive, right? Like for me to listen to you is to be prepared to respond. And also, this is when presence is is can become becoming a very very valuable uh, concept. When you're not just being present, you're doing presence. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like uh, uh, so. Again, it's not an action. It's a very 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 small doing, but this doing is it's active. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Once again, and, and the, the, the necessity for it in our current lifestyle is, you know, you can literally know everything from the palm of your hands, supposedly, not really, you know, um, you know, news from around the world, what's going on with your friends, what this had for dinner, who is this person dating, you know, all of this, and you don't have to pay any, um, any sensational price it's it's correct i mean with the senses you know it's neutral uh information and the neutral information means that you can be passively present and just take it in you know mm-hmm. and, and and i think in, in that sense you know again well, well, the everything has consequences mm-hmm. so we can process more information but we're getting used to the idea that, uh, you know, like uh, that uh, we can be passively present. Mm-hmm. And this is where, you know, I feel that also in my uh, in my work uh, on all of its aspects, 
uh, I try to apply on myself, but also on the people that come in contact with the work, whether it is to come to study, whether it is to come to um, uh, to see a performance that uh, that uh, we choreograph. Uh, and even, for example, now that we, we build our own space, one of the thoughts was like, okay, when you enter the space, how does it make you uh, present in the way that, that, that fits? You know, that the space around you is not making you uh, numb. It makes you vivid, mm-hmm. uh, which is, you know, again, it's, it's also something that is, is, it's easier said than done in a way. But this is like, um, and I've told you this before, I've told you this, that like when I've taken your classes and the very first time I ever came and maybe the first time when we met and you came out to the gym, that, um, that you're speaking and presenting something that I would put in the realm of, of truth. And in what we're talking about is, is, is a bit of like that thing. It's like, it's a big piece of it, I would actually say, and that we're, and it's like where when you kind of get to like the truth place it's like well this is an example of where like practice has that potential to feed something that like sends ripples into into the real world you know and i was having a conversation today and i said it maybe on the last podcast but it doesn't matter it's worth repeating um there's this guy uh on instagram his instagram handle is healing from healing Mm -hmm. and he talks a lot about kind of like you know psychedelics and the kind of issues around it spiritual bypassing spiritual narcissism but he was saying that you know if you're practicing these things these medicines that like your relationships should be improving when i was in portugal Mm -hmm. teaching i was having a conversation with some people and i reflected on that and then i said if we're practicing movement our relationships should be improving it should be improving our, our capacity to have relationships Mm-hmm. And what we're talking about is 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 that exact thing right there, mm. right? You're we're like we're doing we're talking about the practice of relationships, internal, yeah. interpersonal, spatial, and like when you kind of have containers to to do that in, it sends something else out into the world. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I think also that uh, I would even take it further, even though it, like you know it provokes me to 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 make the connection here because. You know, you started from the truth and, you know, I think it's cool to search for the truth. Eh? You know, it's I think it's a cool thing. It's like it's not, you know, it's again, it sounds pretentious. It sounds like something that, you know, comes from kind of like, I don't know who speaks about the truth nowadays. Like, you know, truth, who they, who cares? Yeah, you know, but I think it's a cool thing, like to search for it. And in my experience, you know, um, because it's true, through practice, I feel I sometimes encounter it. Again, I cannot say why, how it is. I, I cannot frame it. But I think that every encounter with the truth, whatever it is, it helps you to not have an image about what's important in your life. So, for example, like, you know, true, uh, uh, true experience of communication, of partnering, sheds the image of what relationship should look like yes it gets you know? it makes it makes the stories go away it makes the stories go away you know a true experience of your body you lose the the sense of okay i need a six pack or i need to be this and this and that like the supposed to's vanish the supposed to vanishes and the supposed to i don't think it can vanish intellectually it can vanish only through 
uh, um, encounters with with the truth, you know, because when you encounter it, it's like it's like ah, okay, you know, it's not, and um, and it's a very curious process. And I think also the, the result, you know, <laughs> it's a product we're going to put, but I'm joking. You know? <laughs> but, no, the, the, the result is that things are more simple, you know, it's like the, so much more simple. It, it's more simple. Um, and um, it's more simple and it's more light, you know, like, um, which, which again, even the difficult things are more simple and more light. You know, it it becomes um, uh, to not to not be uh, spiritually corrupt. It becomes spiritually functional. You know, okay. So you just uh, uh, overcome a great obstacle. Okay, you just uh, um, uh, love something or someone. Uh, you know, it's like it is what it is. You know, I didn't expect it to to look like this, to feel like this, but here I am with it, and you know, nothing gets in the way. Okay. So. Uh, but you know, I'm always uh, maybe that's again. I'm always with the. Uh, I think I think that maybe it's 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 circling back again. But I think that it's also need to not be greedy with this. You know, I think that there is a bread and butter to 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 this to these experiences, which I think it's it's uh, it's important, and it's okay that like you know there is there is the. You know that's that's also part of the mess. You know we cannot be. You know like so the, the the whole point. I, I don't know. You you brought psychedelics. Like you know I think that living in a psychedelic state can be a. It's it's the biggest nightmare. You know it's like it has it has a point because it departs from some from something. And um, and then also like you know truthful experience out, out of the practice. I think there also need to be a, a you know. Like this thing of like, you know, doctor recommends one glass of red wine a week, you know, it's like, it's something like this, you know, if, if every day you meet the truth, I think you will go crazy. Yeah, well, it's, it's great because like the truth, it's like when you hit it, you know it, but it's still a mystery. Yeah, yeah. Like when, yeah, you, when yeah. you feel it, you're like, oh, this is truth. But you're like, well, what is it? You're like, it's kind of, I mean, that's why, I mean, like, this is why art exists. This is why poetry exists, because like, we can't, we can't name truth intellectually yeah we and, and we cannot um, i think we can we can increase the likelihood of encountering but we also then you know the the story of uh, repetition here is uh is not that uh you know it's not that scientific mm -hmm. i mean you know i know that uh you know as a performer to get in the zone of being really, really uh, uh, present, which usually it's when my responses on stage are 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 precise and alive. But you know, if I too much look for it, it's like it becomes very far. Mm -hmm. You know. So how do you create a, a certain repetition in your life that increases likelihood of being present, of increasing likelihood? Of, of experiencing truthful things, you know. But again, you can only increase likelihood. More than this, it's... Um, more than this is already... Uh, it's a product. Mm -hmm. 
you know, it's funny when we started this, you said that you were like getting old and like feeling like you couldn't make like grand statements anymore, but I feel like there have been some grand statements in here. <laughs> You're like, I don't have grand this statements is, uh, anymore. Uh, yeah. This is this is a low one, man. This is under the belt, you know. <laughs> I don't start this interview. I'm not going to make any grand statement. The truth and the presence. <laughs> <and> the... <laughs> yeah. the corruption of the soul. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like... That's how sneaky I am. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And that's how old I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that you're not totally that much, not that much yeah. at the end of yeah. the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that you're totally deranged and that you say that you're not going to say grand statements and all of a sudden you're, <laughs> you're preaching the good word. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we should stop there. I think we did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really great. Always yeah. a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Great inspiration. It's it's also an infinite play. Our conversations. I think it stands up to the to the title. Man, I always look forward to it. It's like it's my uh, yeah. There there are a handful of people where I'm like ah oh, I can't wait, and and you're always one of them. The, the, this feeling is mutual, man. Absolutely mutual. <laughs>